Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned that this podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern varieties, so plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice that you can make, but don't say we didn't warn you. I'm hot, but also the mic is now hot. Are you are you hot for incest? I am hot to trot for this incest. Oh my god. This is gonna be real. (laughs) No, it's not. Just kidding. Never mind. I'm gonna stop that sentence right there. It is gonna be real. It's gonna be real. Let's just end it right there. Mm -hmm. But also real uncomfortable. Is that what you were about to say? No. Shakespeare show. We are your hosts, Jess Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock. And together we are Whamlet. Uh, and this week we called an audible and we're talking about John Ford's Tis Pity She's a Whore instead of Love's Labors because we do what we want. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry if you yep. were expecting some some labors of love. Uh, you're getting a different kind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for our Love's Labors fans out there who were eagerly awaiting our further thoughts mm-hmm. on Love's Labors. But like incest takes priority, I guess. <laughs> This, um, yes. <laughs> this, yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, every week we discuss a different play by our favorite guy, William Don Armado Shakespeare, at what we like to call the 101 level, except when we don't, and it's John Ford. Yep. Uh, but either way, you're going to get the introductory stuff, so everything you need to know to have a general understanding of the play, and also some other cool stuff like what we think about the play. Yeah. So without any further ado, this is a playwright we've not talked about before. Mm. Because, frankly, none of his stuff has been good enough to talk about before. I mean, this is the best one. This is the best one. This is the best yeah. one of, of yeah. what he wrote. What I am what I mean is, is, like, we're not banging down the door to talk about the f- canon of John Ford. So anyway, it's time to meet this contemporary John Ford. This is your life. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he was born in 1586 uh and he died in 1639 and um that's what we know we don't really know uh anything about his personal life or how he died or other things that would be interesting that would go in this like born and died space um he left home uh and he went to study in london at some point he was i like we just like we don't know is the thing there was there was a john ford um, a 16-year-old John Ford from Devon who went to Exeter College at Oxford um, in March 1601. But, like, is that the same John Ford? We don't know. Right. These are the things. Yeah. Um, this this Devon John Ford uh, joined an institution that was a prestigious law school, uh, but was also a center of literary and dramatic activity called Middle Temple, um, which has a, a lot of... Um, there are a lot of early modern playwrights and actors uh, attached to Middle Temple at various yeah. points. So, like, it could be, definitely could be this John Ford. A different person entirely uh, who was a prominent junior member of Middle Temple in 1601 is, was, was and is the playwright John Marston. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he studied law while he was there is unclear. Uh, yeah. These are things that we know slash don't know. Because yeah. the early moderns. Right. Presuming that this John Ford was the same John Ford who wrote this play, he may or may not have crossed paths with another mm-hmm. playwright, John Marston, yes. at Middle Temple. And whether either of them studied law while they were there is completely hazy. Who knows? I mean, they probably, if they were there, they probably, like, picked up some shit just through osmosis. Right. But, like, <laughs> right. whether they yeah. studied is, like, a, that's another question entirely. You know, lately, since we've been doing these contemporary uh Mm -hmm. you know explorations more Mm -hmm. and more i've noticed that a lot of these guys (laughs) start out going into the law and then like and then they're like theater yeah they disappoint their parents and disgrace their families by going into the theater instead i mean how Uh, many of them were second sons is the thing right because if you're the second son you're going into law or the clergy right yeah yeah well then i guess a fair few and then they all Turn to the theater instead. Well, 
<laughs> lady lady theater she's a wanton yeah. mistress she is though after 1620 he began active dramatic writing um collaborating with people like thomas decker john webster william rowley and uh by the late 1620s he went solo uh he was a major playwright <laughs> during the reign of charles the first mm-hmm. he again of the beheading fame uh his plays deal often with conflicts between individual passion and conscience and the laws and the morals of society at large. Uh, and Ford seems to have a really strong interest in abnormal psychology that uh, is expressed through many of his dramas. So um, there are six notable plays that survive with uh, that he collaborated with other playwrights on. Mm-hmm. And they are The Laws of Candy with Philip Massinger. The Witch of Edmonton with Thomas Decker and William Rowley. I've read that and it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, The Welsh Ambassador with Decker. The Spanish Gypsy with Decker, Middleton and Rowley. The Sun's Darling with Decker. And The Fair Maid of the Inn with Massinger, Webster and John Fletcher. Uh, And after 1626, Ford made the transition into solo authorship. And there are eight surviving plays let us know when you recognize any of these titles. The first is... <laughs> the Queen. And The Lover's Melancholy. The Broken Heart. Tis Pity She's a Whore in 1631. Love's Sacrifice. Perkin Warbeck. I've read that. It's terrible. Uh, the Fancy's <laughs> Chaste and Noble. Mm, and The Lady's Trial. Yeah, I've heard of about half of these. Mm-hmm. Um, the Broken Heart is probably his second mo- his second most famous uh, play, mm. but I have not read it. I've heard the name Perkin Warbeck, but that was because I was in a little play called The Brats of Clarence by Paul Menzer, he, where Perkin sure. Warbeck is a figure in that play, but that's yes. all I know. Oh, uh, um, well, that's, I mean, that's worth explaining real fast. Perkin Warbeck was a pretender to the crown um, mm-hmm. during the reign of Henry VIII, Richard III. Henry Seven. Oh, Henry Seven. Yeah, That's Henry who. Seven. That yeah. sound. That seems right. Yes, because I'm there. thinking back to the Brats of Clarence. Henry yes. the Seventh is yeah. the king in that play. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Perkin Warbeck um, showed up and led a pretty sizable revolt, uh, claiming to be uh, one of the princes in the tower that mm-hmm. was killed by Richard. Um, yes. So the play, the play is not great. It's a history play and it's, I don't love history plays. So maybe you love history plays and you think that play is great. I don't. Um, so anyway. And that is the sum of what we know about your boy, John Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which Edmonton is, is worth a read. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, pretty great. It is, it, it is on our list of future episodes, not for this season, but yeah. we did put it down on that list because yeah. it, yeah, people have said it's yeah. fucking amazing it is so it's got yeah. a witch and edmonton like what else do you need <laughs> i not much really i love as i love witch plays almost as much as i love incest plays oh so i love a witch play so that was your life john ford uh yeah. we like to <clears throat> kick off our summary segment of course with five word unhelpful unhelpful titles mine will only be helpful if you're a game of thrones fan my title is og jamie and cersei lannister yep that means nothing to me well yeah i wish it did well, but it's fine yeah uh mine is super romantic play about incest yeah it is a yeah. beautiful fucking love story. Uh, it's just, it's also about incest. So. Yeah. Makes it a little uncomfortable. But, but yeah, yeah like the, the verse is gorgeous. It this really is, is one of my favorite plays. Like, full stop. It's one of my favorite plays. I love this play. Yeah. And yeah. I have loved this play for 20 years. Well, I'm glad we finally get to talk about it and and have our feelings about it. Mm -hmm. All right. So Mm -hmm. next is the Dramatis Personae, but only the really important folks. And it's a, buckle up, it's a long list of people. Yeah. Well, it's one of those Italian plays. It is. Uh, Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to kick it off with our our main character. I hesitate to call him a protagonist, but our main character, Giovanni. Mm -hmm. He has a sister. Her name is Annabella. They have a father. His name is Florio. There's a friar named Bonaventura. Annabella has a suitor. His name is Soranzo. 
Uh, there's another suitor to Annabella, a Roman named Grimaldi. There is also Vasquez, who's a servant to Soranzo. Mm-hmm. There's the rather aptly named Putana, Annabella's nurse, and the name literally means whore in Italian. <laughs> Amazing. So there you go. Oh yeah, that 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 tracks. Um, yep. Then we have Pagio, <laughs> who I love. Uh, he's a servant. Uh, and there's a guy named Burghetto, who's his master. Also, Burghetto has an uncle. His name is Donato. And there's a supposed physician <laughs> named Richardetto. I love, I love him. Uh, he has a niece whose name is Philotus, or maybe Philotus. God, what a name. I know. Uh, he also has a wife named Hippolyta, that Richardetto. Yeah, and then finally, there's a cardinal who has no name. He's just a cardinal. Mm-hmm. He's I mean, a nuncio to the names. Pope. <laughs> right. Great. Yeah. Um, since you're the one who loves this play, I'm going to flip this script a tiny yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Jess, yeah. why should this play be so goddamn popular? Because incest. Because we love incest. We stan incest. Um, to be clear. Do we? To be clear. I do not endorse incest as a practice in real life. Uh-huh. Uh, or I suppose even fiction mostly except that i love incest in early modern plays like i love it anyway the the play is fantastic there's five separate revenge subplots it's a beautiful love story there's all kinds of drama and good old-fashioned incest i mean what's what's a little brother loving between siblings really yeah I'm just going to let that hang there. Yeah. It occurs to uh, me now that I'm talking about incest on the internet um, that perhaps my love for incest plays is a little weird. I mean, but you're not alone, though. I'm not. They're the early within are fucking our niche. obsessed like, with, with incest. Yeah. I'm going to talk yeah. about that later. Anyway, uh, yes. should we should we summarize this bit? We should. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's summary time. All right. Okay. Uh, so we we are now going to summarize "Tis Pity She's a Whore" for you in a segment that will not be under five minutes this week because reasons. But this yeah, week, one of those reasons being five different revenge subplots. I mean, yeah. So yeah. So I'm um, sorry. Go ahead. What? What? Okay. So we're going to summarize for you this week in a segment that we are calling. The real pity is that John Ford used slut-shaming language in his beautifully romantic love story about brother-fucking incest. Like, girl, you go get that D and don't let anyone shame you or cut your heart out and display it on the end of their dagger. We stand a queen who gets hers. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I'm a... <laughs> So uh, maybe my longest title today. Uh huh. Yeah, I wrote it in the middle of class this morning. This is very passionate. Um, yeah. So I'm ready Again, to do this. I'm not endorsing incest. I am I, endorsing we, girl we get getting it. that D. Get that D, girl. Get uh-huh. it. So what yeah, if it's your brother? We. We. <laughs> <laughs> we yep. Uh huh. You got your timer ready? I do. Whenever Kay. you're ready, take it away. Act 1. Giovanni has confessed to Bonaventura, the friar, that he's in love with his sister, Annabella. The friar counsels Giovanni to lock himself in his father's house and pray constantly for a week to repent and be cleansed of his unnatural lust. Meanwhile, Vasquez quarrels with Grimaldi, the Roman, and they draw swords. Grimaldi is a rival to Soranzo for Florio's daughter's hand, and Vasquez has taken Soranzo's part, of course, because it's his master. Florio reprimands the men, but particularly Soranzo, whom he has apparently agreed to allow to marry his daughter. Annabella. Annabella overhears this and her nurse Putana asks her how she feels about it. Annabella demurs and Putana proceeds to enumerate the pros and cons of all the various suitors. Putana comes down on the side of Soranzo. Poggio crosses through with his master Burghetto, telling Burghetto that his uncle Donato has said Burghetto will be wed to Annabella. Giovanni enters next and Annabella goes into raptures of delight at his presence. Giovanni is sad and Annabella goes down to talk to him. In the interim, Giovanni has not been able to shake himself of his lust for her and resolves to confess his feelings for her. Annabella and Giovanni speak privately and he confesses his love. She joys at this and confesses in return that she has loved him for a long time as well. They have exchanged vows of love, kiss each other, resolve to be happier now that now than they ever have been. Florio tells Donato, Borghetto's uncle, that he is resolved to let Annabella marry for love and not force her to marry where he chooses. 
He is concerned for Giovanni's health and thinks Annabella will more likely be his heir, so he wants her to marry happily. Donato tells Burghetto, who is rather foolish, that he has a chance of marrying Annabella and takes him home to compose a love letter to her since he'll come off much better on paper than in person. In Act 2, Giovanni and Annabella are post-coital and exchanging loving banter. Giovanni departs and Papa Florio enters quickly thereafter with companions for Annabella, who are Richardetto and Philatus. Soranzo is composing verses in praise of Annabella when he's interrupted by Hippolyta, an apparent widow who he had tried to get to leave her husband before the play began. Hippolyta thinks... Saranzo is ultimately responsible for her husband's death and for her desolation in widowhood since she's thrown since he's thrown her over. Okay. Um, Saranzo departs angrily and the servant Vasquez tries to comfort Hippolyta. They both work the other to advantage um, and Hippolyta gets Vasquez to agree to help her with a plot in exchange for money and a title if he'll marry her when they're done complicated mm-hmm. uh, in disguise as a doctor Richardetto has come to court with his niece Philatus to get revenge on his wanton wife Hippolyta dun, and, dun, dun. Uh, perhaps also marry Annabella as well maybe for kicks um, Philatus has discovered that Annabella is definitely set to marry Soranzo but that she doesn't feel strongly about him one way or the other Richardetto uses Grimaldi to remove the obstacle of Soranzo playing on Grimaldi's love for Annabella and hate for Saranzo to orchestrate a time where Grimaldi can kill Saranzo. Burghetto has written his love letter to Annabella and it is very bad. <laughs> Donato reprimands him and tells him to stay at home until Donato has handled the situation for him because he's useless. Giovanni has told the friar what's going on with Annabella and the friar is appalled because incest. Giovanni argues that their love is pure and true and the friar hastens to hear Annabella's confession lest she should die with this sin on her. Donato delivers Burghetto's love to Annabella with a jewel. She reads it, dislikes it, and tries to return the jewel. Brighetto arrives and makes an ass of himself talking about a wench he met in the street whom he prefers to Annabella. She is able to easily decline his suit and Donato tells her to keep the jewel to wear when she does eventually marry. Giovanni enters and is jealous by seeing her wear it. Act 3. Burghetto tells Poggio he'll have Philatus instead of Annabella. Saranzo declares his love for Annabella. She answers him in double speak and tells him she can't love him, but that if she ever has to marry, she'll marry him. Giovanni watches the whole exchange from above. Then she swoons and is carried out. Putana discovers that Annabella is pregnant and goes into hysterics like you do. Correct Giovanni, <laughs> Giovanni tells her to keep Annabella from the doctor and to tell Florio that she's recovered. The quote-unquote doctor, Richardetto, tells Floria that Annabella's fine. Florio decides to have Annabella married to Saranzo straight away because that will make her feel better? I don't know. (laughs) Giovanni arrives with the friar to comfort Annabella and Florio decides to use the friar to help and treat Annabella to marriage. Richardetto gives poison to Grimaldi to eliminate Saranzo. Richardetto cackles over his revenge. Philatus tells Richardetto that she loves Burghetto. Burghetto enters and they kiss. Aww. Annabella confesses to the friar and he lectures her on the pangs of hell. He counsels her to marry Saranzo and give over Giovanni. The friar joins their hands and blesses them. Grimaldi stabs Burghetto, thinking him to be Saranzo, and then runs away, and poor Burghetto dies. Hippolyta and Vasquez plan to murder Saranzo very shortly. Grimaldi is determined to have killed Burghetto, and they track him down at the Cardinal's house. Grimaldi confesses that he thought he was killing Saranzo, and the Cardinal excuses him because that's how that works in act four the marriage of saranzo and annabella is being celebrated a mask is presented god you love a mask uh after which hippolyta reveals herself and the assembled are shocked at her presence she makes nice with saranzo and raises a toast to him during which vasquez passes her a poisoned cup she thinks saranzo has been given the poison and reveals her plan after which vasquez tells all and swears loyalty to saranzo vasquez is lauded and pardoned, Hippolyta dies, and the friar expresses concern for a marriage that begins with blood at the banquet, which, like, Mm. yo foreshadowing uh richard edo thinks hippolyta got was what was coming to her he advises philatus to leave parma and to take holy vows to keep her safe from the ills of the world 
Saranzo has discovered that Annabella is pregnant and flies into a fury, demanding to know who the father is and threatening to kill her. Vasquez intervenes on her behalf. Saranzo calms down and says that if Annabella will be faithful hereafter, he'll forgive her and love her. They depart and Putana enters to complain to Vasquez about Saranzo's treatment of her. Vasquez gets Putana to reveal the baby daddy. Immediately thereafter, he has her seized by banditi and carried off to have her eyes put out for punishment of being a bod. Vasquez sends Giovanni in to see Annabella and he and Saranzo retire to plan revenge. Act five. Bring Annabella. Re- yep. Annabella repents all of her actions and is overheard by the friar in the act of repenting. He tells her heaven will be merciful and agrees to carry a letter from her to Giovanni, encouraging him to repent, repent, repent. Saranzo and Vasquez plan to get revenge at Saranzo's birthday party. The friar delivers a letter to the letter to Giovanni, who refuses to believe that they've been found out. He's like in total denial. Vasquez invites Giovanni to the party and triple checks that he will come. He's like, you're definitely going to come, right? The friar cautions Giovanni not to go since it's definitely a plot to wreak his downfall, but Giovanni doesn't believe that either. The friar departs for Bologna in a fit of self-preservation. <laughs> Saranzo and Vasquez give the banditi who did the eye gouging uh, money to do murder at the party. They send Giovanni to see Annabella before the party. Giovanni and Annabella are in bed. She puts him off a little. She tries to convince him not to go to the party since it will surely be the death of both of them. Finally convinced, he kisses her and in the same act, kills her by stabbing. Giovanni enters the party with Annabella's heart on a dagger, impaled on a dagger. He tells all to everyone, and Florio dies of shock and grief at his own children. Giovanni stabs Saranzo, Vasquez and Giovanni fight, and then the banditi enter and overwhelm Giovanni. Saranzo dies, Giovanni dies. The cardinal decrees that Putana be burned and banishes Vasquez. All the lands and possessions of the dead are seized by the church. Richardetto reveals his true identity at the last minute and is welcomed by the cardinal. The end. I fucking love this play. That was nine minutes and it was fucking worth it. (laughs) Totally worth it. Holy fuck. I love this play. I love (sighs) this play. I love this play. These people. These. Oh my God. Like, 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 I mean, (gasps) heart kebab on a dagger. Yep. Sister heart kebab. It's like, you're all dead. We're going to have Banditi do a murder. We're going to burn the city. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love it. burn it all to the ground. I love it. Oh, man. It's a wild ride. Yeah. It's uh... (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome, world. Now it's time for a taste of text. Yeah, but, like, what if we read the the smooch death? (laughs) What if we read the whole thing to Putana's entrance? <laughs> what if we what if we change this podcast to it's just you and me doing all the voices and reading the entire play? Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do Love that. This play. Um, but yeah, like uh, five right. five, just all the way up to Putana's entrance. It's like it'll be like three, four minutes, but also, I love the stage direction in this one. Enter Giovanni and Annabella lying on a bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sexy, so. sexy, sexy. Sexy, sexy. Who who do you want to be? Oh. <laughs> who who do you want to be? I will defer to you on this one, who have long mm. loved this play. Mm. Who would you rather read for? And also, um, while Jess is deciding, everybody, a taste of text is when we read a small but <laughs> crucial portion of the play to give you a taste of its flavor. Just to throw that out there. So, sorry, you were about to make a decision? Yeah. Can I read Annabella, but also the stage yes. directions? Yes. Great. Absolutely. So I mostly just want to read the stage directions. Gladly. I know. Wait, I know how much you love those stage directions. is just us reading stage directions and no actual dialogue? <laughs> Uh, what if, man? Okay. okay. All right. So this is five five. Uh-huh. This is the act this five, is scene the, five. The death scene. Uh, yes. Enter Giovanni and Annabella lying on a bed. What changed so soon? Hath your new sprightly lord found out a trick in night games more than we could know in our simplicity? Ha! Is't so? Or does the fit come on you to prove treacherous your to your past vows and oaths? 
Why should you jest at my calamity without all sense of the approaching dangers you are in? What danger? What dangers half so great as thy revolt? Thou art a faithless sister, else thou knowst malice or any treachery besides would stoop to my bent brows. Why, I hold fate clasped in my fist and could command the course of time's eternal motion. Hadst thou been one thought more steady than an ebbing sea? And what? You'll now be honest? That's resolved? Brother, dear brother, know what I have been, and know that now there's but a dining time twixt us and our confusion. Let's not waste these precious hours in vain and useless speech. Alas, these gay attires were not put on but to some end. This sudden solemn feast was not ordained to riot in expense. I that have now been chambered here alone, barred of my guardian or of any else, am not for nothing at an instant freed to fresh access. Be not deceived, my brother. This banquet is in heart of death to you and me resolve yourself it is and be prepared to welcome it well then the schoolmen teach that all this globe of earth shall be consumed to ashes in a minute so i have read too but twere somewhat strange to see the waters burn could i believe this might be true i could believe as well there might be hell or heaven that's most certain a dream a dream else in this other world we should know one another so we shall have you heard so for certain. But do you think that I shall see you there? You look on me? May we kiss one another, prate or laugh, or do as we do here? I know not that, but good for the present. What do you mean to free yourself from danger? Some way think how to escape. I'm sure the guests are come. Look up. Look here. What see you in my face? Distraction and a troubled countenance. Death and a swift repining wrath. Yet look what see you in mine eyes. Methinks you weep. I do indeed. These are funeral tears shed on your grave. These furrowed up my cheeks when I first loved and knew not how to woo. Fair Annabella, should I here repeat the story of my life, we might lose time. Be record all the spirits of the air, and all things else that are, that day and night, early and late, the tribute which my heart hath paid to Annabella's sacred love hath been these tears, which are her mourners now. Never till now did nature do her best to show a matchless beauty to the world, which in an instant, ere it scarce was seen, the jealous destinies required again. Pray, Annabella, pray. Since we must part, go thou, white in thy soul, to fill a throne of innocence and sanctity in heaven. Pray, pray, my sister. Then I see your drift, yet blessed angels guard me. So say I. Kiss me. They kiss. <laughs> if ever after times should hear our fast-knit affections, though perhaps the laws of conscience and civil use may justly blame us, yet when they but know our loves... That love will wipe away that rigor which would in other incests be abhorred. Give me your hand. How sweetly life doth run in these well-colored veins! How constantly these palms do promise health! But I could chide with nature for this cunning flattery. Kiss me again. They kiss. Forgive me. With my heart. Farewell. Will you be gone? Be dark, bright sun, and make this midday night that guilt rays may not behold a deed will turn their splendor more sooty than the poets feign their sticks one other kiss my sister what means this to save thy fame and kill thee in a kiss stabs her as they kiss thus die and die by me and by my hand revenge is mine honor doth love command oh brother by your hand when thou art dead i'll give my reason for it for to dispute with thy even in thy death, most lovely beauty, would make me stagger to perform this act which I most glory in. Forgive him, heaven, and me my sins. Farewell, brother, unkind, unkind. Mercy, great heaven. Oh, oh, dies. She's dead. Alas, good soul, the hapless fruit that in her womb received its life from me hath had from me a cradle and a grave. Uh -huh. I must not dally. This sad marriage bed in all her best bore her alive and dead. Soronzo, thou hast missed thy aim in this. I have prevented now thy reaching plots and killed a love for whose each drop of blood I would have pawned my heart. Fair Annabella, how overglorious art thou in thy wounds, triumphing over infamy and hate. Shrink not, courageous hand, stand up, my heart, and boldly act my last and greater part.
exit with the body. Damn. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Uh, All right. All right. Let's let's talk about incest. So much kissing and killing. Okay. Yes. Do let's. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's let's talk about incest. <laughs> so yeah, I need um, to come down from that. That was whew, yeah. My goodness. So Sonia Masai, uh, who's the editor of the Arden edition of Play does not beat around the bush. She Mm. says, quote, the early moderns condemned incest as a monstrous sin. Yes. It's pretty black and white. Um, Early modern thinkers linked the severity of incest with the inevitability of divine punishment. So incest is so, so bad, as bad as it is inevitable that you will die and be punished by the afterlife, right? Like, both religiously things. yes interestingly sorry i don't want to interrupt your role too much but i just did a workshop on this incest was actually like punished through english law by carting so like putting the two offenders on a cart and like dragging them through their town to publicly yeah. shame them but like so so it was considered like a huge heinous crime religiously yep. but not yep. punished actually terribly severely in this life is all i'm saying continue sorry cool um, incest was understood understood as a crime, quote, which undermines the social fabric of orderly communities, um, as represented by a snippet of a sermon from 1628. Here we go. Mm. Here we go. So sexual transgressions hath divers degrees, fornication, adultery, incest, all communicate in incontinency, but so that adultery is worse than fornication and incest worse than adultery. Fornication violateth the good order that should be between single persons through unruly lusts. Adultery addeth thereunto a confusion of families and taketh away the distinction of heirs and inheritance. But incest moreover abolisheth 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 yeah abolisheth (laughs) the reverence which is engraved by nature to forbid the persons whom nature hath made so near should one uncover the other's shame yikes yeah uh so this this is from a 1628 sermon by a guy called arthur lake who was the bishop of bath and wells um and in keeping with his understanding of incest he also refers to it in another of his sermons as quote a public sin which must have a public doom that others may behold and beware right so the punishment for incest was as you said very public yeah because they saw it as uh, a social threat yeah. uh you know it threatened the the stability of the the community um and the family whereas you know when we encounter incest today we usually think first about the physical and psychological well-being of those involved um casting them as you know victims and predators but mm-hmm. they were the the early moderns were like ah but like the community how dare you break social contracts yeah thus you know and also thus... who do i leave my stuff to if my kids yeah. are getting it on right <laughs> <laughs> with yes like these fucked are, up inheritance yes these are problems um so we can also read the sexual politics of this play against its setting in parma and the early modern english conception that all italians were hot-blooded and prone to lust jealousy and revenge mm, yes. right um like this this story could only take place in italy yeah because those sensible english men are yeah. are not hot-blooded italians and even those freaky french wouldn't go this far like Mm -hmm, those italians mm -hmm, man mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um the italians were also highly educated uh and giovanni shows this off in his reasoning um in his monologues rationalizing his attraction to annabella um i'm gonna here quote at length from the Arden edition okay the affinities of giovanni's incestuous desire with philosophical and political theories which placed reason and self-governance above institutional authority and religious orthodoxy represent a radical departure from other early modern characters who experience incest as a projection or an extension of their boundless political ambition Giovanni does compare himself to a king at the beginning of 2-1, straight after gaining access to Annabella's bed. He says, I envy not the mightiest man alive, but hold myself in being king of thee, more great than I were king of all the world. 
However, far from being unique to Giovanni's incestuous passion for Annabella, the claim of feeling mightier than a king after conquering the beloved through marriage or sexual possession is a highly conventional and ubiquitous trope in early modern English literature. The popular association between tyranny and incest is, on the other hand, entirely absent from Tis Pity. It is worth noting, uh, as I think I said earlier, um, that incest pops up all the time in the early modern canon. Playwrights were obsessed with it. Um, it shows up in Pericles, Shakespeare's Pericles, the very beginning. We've got the the incest yep. plot. Mm-hmm. Um, Massinger riffs on it in The Roman Actor, and uh, I meant to look this up. What's his ass? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uses it in The Tragedy of Nero. I wonder who wrote that. I bet it's anonymous. Beaumont and Fletcher um, also toy with it in a king and no king yep uh yeah that one makes me angry because you think it's an incest play and then it's not spoilers it's not it's not an incest play but you think it is (gasps) anyway um as far as i can tell uh to be clear i have not read every incest play in the early modern canon but of the many that i have read no no play paints incest in a positive light no one's like hey incest is great and you should be doing it um but this is one of the most sympathetic uh portrayals of incest only in so far as that the romantic language that ford uses between giovanni and annabella is legitimately beautiful and they they seem happy for a time of course then all goes to hell and uh yeah. annabella ends up with her heart kebobbed on a stabber stabber on a dagger <laughs> <laughs> you know a stabber yeah isn't there a little twinge of incest in what is it women beware women as well with the, I mean, it's uncle and niece. It's not quite as near oh, as brother yeah, yeah, and sister, yeah, yeah, but there yeah. is that. Uh, but, I mean, it's that's still definitely incest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, Women Bore Women is our play next week, I think. Tis. <laughs> so come Spoilers. back next week for, Sorry. for more incest. Yeah. <laughs> incest month. Woohoo. Yeah. Take yeah. it away. Take yeah. it away. All righty. Yeah. So, um, uh, all right. So Ford wrote this play specifically for the Phoenix, um, also called the Cockpit, on Drury Lane in London, um, which is a small, dark theater, not unlike the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse in London that currently exists. Um, And it just made me think, you know, with a a play written specifically for one space, um, and I think about this a lot with Shakespeare plays too, but with this play, I just want, I think about how darkness and shadow figures into this play because the playhouse itself was so dark and really lit only by a few like slit sort of windows and candles, you know, candelabras. And if you've been to the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse or seen pictures of it, it's they only also light it by candlelight. Mm -hmm. It's very, very Mm -hmm. dark in there. And like, how does shadow play into that? How does how do you deal with the with the darkness that kind of lives in this play, but also lives in the space, which it just got my imagination going. There's blood imagery all over the language of this play, just everywhere, 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 everywhere. Uh, And actual literal blood, right? Um, This is this is a play that calls for Uh, lots and lots of blood at the end. Um, So have fun staging that, but also be thinking about, you know, I don't know, this, this play, the language of this play is so evocative of, of viscera and the body and blood. Uh, In the anthology where I read uh, my copy of this play, I don't have the art in, I have the uh, Renaissance, uh, the anthology of Renaissance drama. Uh, Yeah. um, It's not Bevington. This is maybe it, I don't, is it the Norton? Uh, edited by Kinney. Oh, oh, it's the Kinney. Yeah. Okay. I got this at a used bookstore for thirty bucks. Don't you have? <laughs> um, but anyway, the uh, critics see shades of Faustus and the Spanish mm-hmm. tragedy mm-hmm. in this play, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. in the character of Giovanni. Um, mm-hmm. But as I was going through it, I really see more shades of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Um, and mm-hmm. that kind of goes back to Jess, what you were saying about how the, this, the romantic language for these two ill-fated lovers is beautiful. You know, it's just Romeo and Juliet with, you know, incest and some, some slut shaming. <laughs> yeah. It, it sucks that, I, th- you know, not only is the love story kind of ruined by the incest, but it's also ruined by the insistence that 
it's Annabella's fault. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the slut shaming and it ends literally with the line with the cardinal saying, who could not say tis pity she's a whore mm-hmm. as if everything her brother did to make this happen and everything all the other men and the machinations of the patriarchy literally surrounding this woman did not you know, work against her too, you know? And yeah, it takes two to tango. I'm not saying Annabella's like, she's not a rape victim. She definitely <coughs> consented and she's like into it. Um, but it sucks then as now that there's more tendency to like this, this falls more heavily somehow on the woman always. Yeah. Um, so that still, you know, lives in this play um, and it's kind of gross. Um, in my notes, I just wrote, what's the take on incest these days? And I guess, I guess I meant by that, like there, you know, we can still find incest tropes today. I, I will say over and over again, it's a, you know, it's a huge deal in Game of Thrones that people had to grapple with, um, both when the books came out and then also like portraying it on the screen on HBO. So it's not something unfamiliar to us. I, I was not around when the ASC did this production. So I don't know how audiences reacted. That's the only production recently that I'm aware of. Didn't, but somebody did it recently too. Did they do it at the Wanamaker? I can't remember. They they must have. Somebody did Tis Pity very recently. Um, but I, I, so I don't know, given the fact that, you know, 21st century audiences are actually not that um, sheltered from a good old incest love story, um, I'm not sure how people would react to this. So I don't know. Just be thinking about that. I guess if you're thinking about maybe producing this play, there's another there's some great a great slew of questions also in the preamble uh, in the anthology that I've got. And they ask, um, is Giovanni deliberately lying to Annabella in order to make love to her? Or is he confusing uh, the friar's remark, um, the remark made by the friar? Um, is he confusing that sort of accidentally? Because the friar has this line that's sort of ambiguous, like, yeah, sure, you can love her. But like, so is is he misinterpreting that on purpose? Is he lying to Annabella? Or has Giovanni's pride in argumentation already led him into self-delusion? Um, and I think these are really great questions that the person playing Giovanni needs to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like the any one of those routes is a great performance choice, um, but you got to make one. You, you, I think mm-hmm. I think that actor needs to be clear. What's your take on that? Is you know um, where Giovanni's morals lie? So be thinking about that person fated to play Giovanni. Um, but also, if you're Annabella, like figure out how complicit is she in this, and when does that begin too? Um, and then <laughs> can we just? Talk about, like, melancholy and how it's actually just white male incel rage. Like, can we talk yes, about that? Yes, we can. We let's, can. We, let's talk yes. about that for a second. So let's, let's talk about that. So, you know, earlier in our bio of John Ford, um, we, we said he was sort of obsessed with um, all we really know about him is is through his writing that survives. Right. And, and he seems to be obsessed with like melancholy and sort of abnormal psychology. Uh, and he was really inspired by this guy, Robert Burton, and his writing uh, The Anatomy of Melancholy. And people who know more about John Ford than I ha- say that this work by yeah. Burton is sort of yeah. pervasive in in John Ford's drama. Yes. So sure. and yes. I will believe yes, that. Yes, I'm yes. not going to go through and read his canon. I believe that. Um but it, it basically Burton describes uh, young scholarly men who are prone to I guess what he calls love sickness which quote mm-hmm. begets rapes, incests and murders. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So like guys are sad and it makes them rapey. And mm-hmm. homicidal. Yeah, uh, that all checks out. I I don't know. I, I just reading that, you know, because I did try to read a little bit of the criticism before I jumped into the play. Like mm-hmm. this, just it just sounded so much to me when I came upon this particular thing that it begets rape. Um, it sounded a lot like white male rage, white male rage. That's just. <laughs> What it sounded like, um, which is not an unknown phenomenon in this century. So it's just something you've got to deal with when staging the play. 
Um, and I think it all goes back again to Giovanni and and your take as either director or dramaturg or actor portraying Giovanni as uh, to, you know, what leads to this decision to act on his incestuous feelings uh, and his later murder of his sister, uh, the object of his affection. Um, and literally object, he objectifies her, right? And, and then dehumanizes her. So I don't know, just overall, this play evokes so many questions from from all different angles not just about the two lovers but in all of the subplots and who's revenging whom and who is fucking whom and who's complicit and who's responsible and like it's i don't think you need to answer the quest the these questions when you stage them i think it's better to just stage the question and then talk about multiple answers but definitely be aware that if you're going to produce this play it's gonna stir some shit it's going to stir some shit. That's yeah. all. Like it's going to yeah. it's going to evoke these questions whether you want it to or not. Um yeah. so be ready. Be ready. Either, you know, I I don't know. I I I was about to say prepare some answers, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure you can. <laughs> so, not sure you can. Um yeah. and then, you know, have fun staging that last scene. Oh, and that mask. Like uh, if you want to talk about some buck basket moments, there's a heart impaled on a stabber yep. <laughs> and and there's a mask earlier and like so so some fun um staging challenges to take on which by the way um if you think about early modern stage effect technology uh when this play premiered mm -hmm. the heart on that stabber was probably a real one from a farm animal yeah i mean maybe probably um which is really gross. It's really gross. <laughs> but just think about that. Don't bring a real heart. Don't do not do that in your own show. I mean, unless it's Grand Guignol, then just do whatever you want. But, like, don't do not do that. Um, and those are my thoughts. And those are my feelings. Uh, are we going to play a game? Shall we play a game? Would you like to play a game? I don't know what would we play. Would we do? It just says game. Um, so we could, I mean, we could play this some shit. Sure. That's a fun game. Well, then let's bring it home with a game. Let's okay. Let's uh, let's make a playlist for "Tis Pity She's a Hooer." Uh, okay, 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 okay. I'll I'll try to think of the first song. Um, oh, oh, is this "Desire" by PJ Harvey? Yep. Okay. You should listen that to that song. song. It's a really fucking great song. Um. I'm not sure what the actual official name of the song is, but when I think about you, I touch myself by the divinals, mm. which P.S. The music video for that is filmed in a convent. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Ooh, Heart Attack by Trey Songs. Yeah. That's another song I don't know. Um, Like a Virgin, Madonna. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. I hate oh, yes. Nirvana. It's a good song, though. Yeah, if you like Nirvana. And I do. <laughs> so. Um, I'm going to go with Colorblind by the Counting Crows. <gasps> oh, I love yeah, that song. You know that song. You know I that do. Song. It, in uh, one of the most formative sex scenes of our youth. Oh my god! Uh, yes, yeah. really. Um, for for very those specifically who dating us, aren't <laughs> catching the reference, uh, it plays over the sex scene, the good sex scene in um, *Cruel Intentions*. Yes, <laughs> starring Ryan Felipe and his once and future wife Reese Witherspoon and Sarah Michelle Gellar and like yes. fucking everybody else. Selma Blair is in that movie. Everyone is in that yeah. movie. Christine Baranski is in that movie. Be okay, still okay. my beating vagina. Mm -hmm. Christine mm -hmm. Baranski, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Great. Do I Want to Know by the Arctic Monkeys. Mm. Yeah. I don't know that song either. Uh, it's such different taste in music. Do I Want to Know is all about if this, well, it, it finished, the line of finishes, do I want to sure. know if this feeling goes both ways? I want to know if he really loves me. <laughs> I want to know. What is that, Whitney Houston? Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's, that's what I'm how will of. I know, I think. Oh, how will I know? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Whew. You'll know when he stabs you in the heart, baby. Yeah, when you he... will. 
<gasps> oh, you okay? If you don't say this song, I will do it for you. But well, you go ahead. I don't. I don't know what song you're thinking of. So why don't you just say it? You <laughs> twos, hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Oh, I was not gonna say that song. You but love like, you too. Right. I do love you too. They are my favorite band. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, sure. Also, with or without you. Maybe slightly more appropriate, just thematically. But I, I trust you. You're the U two yeah. expert. And or numb, and or discotheque, <laughs> and or just the entire that album. <laughs> Octung baby. Okay. Octung baby. I think we each get one more to make a oh, okay. make a nice even ten. Okay. All right. Um. Thinking. Unless you There's seriously, so much. did you seriously mean that Whitney Houston one or no? <laughs> no. Okay, no. I, I didn't want to take away a choice from you if you God. didn't want to use that one. Um. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I know I, I did this on the last one, but I'm going to do it again. Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I can get with the, the modern day pop stars. How about Woman by Harry Styles? I don't know who or what that is, but all right. How do you not know who Harry Styles is? I mean, I know what a woman is, I suppose, but I what's what who or what Harry is a Styles Harry Styles? Harry Styles is that teen heartthrob from One Direction, but he's got a solo album uh, now. And woman is so Harry great. like Harold, not Harry as like her suit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I could have gone either way, right? Like you can like a hairstyle. So like Harry sure. Styles, yes. yes. Um, no, he just happens to have a silly last name that mm-hmm. sounds like that. Woman okay. by Harry Styles. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, all right. Woohoo! Game adjourned, and we'll um, <laughs> throw we'll throw that up on the landing page yeah. for this episode. Oh. So if you yeah. want to create a Spotify based on Tis Pity, we we got you started. I'm into it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and apparently we have literally nothing to gossip about. Nope. Nothing mm. exciting happening. Mm. Oh, wait, I know one small thing. Mm. The regendered Timon has moved from New York to Shakespeare Theater Company. So it's down in D.C. for oh, STC. Cool. So if you wanted to see the regendered Timon that we talked about or in another gossip segment, you can now see it in Washington, D.C. The same cast and everything. They just moved to a cool. different theater. So that's happening and uh yeah that's, that's it. I, got, I got nothing that's that yeah cool yeah All right. great well. well thank you so much for listening everyone we hope you leave this podcast more informed and more comfortable question mark more uncomfortable with incest than mm. when you started yeah mm. um and if you feel like you could hear some more about incest come back next week when we're talking about women to wear women which yes. has an incest subplot so sure do um since you love this play so much did you want to take us out on a quote or do you feel like nah. we did enough quoting nah um, no. great I, there's no like iconic line okay it's not like oh brother you stabbed me in the heart nah which would be <laughs> like true. a great line she just says oh oh yeah she just says oh oh and dies yep and or orgasms because like mm, a little death yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure mm, yes all right uh wham out wham out If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends, rate us, leave us a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For show notes and other fun stuff, visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Get in touch with us. Tell us what you're working on and thinking about. You can email us at holla at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or hurlyburlyshake.com on Twitter. Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show is produced and edited by Aubrey Whitlock and Jess Hamlet. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent. Tell me again why you tell me again why you don't like Game of Thrones. There's a lovely incest plot scary. or two or three. But it's scary. Because <laughs> oh, it's, it's scary. Not, it's, it's, it's scary. Not that scary. I tried to watch it and it was scary, so I stopped watching it. Well, you're missing out on some great incest tropes is all I'm saying. If if it's your jam, you're really missing out. All right, okay.